0: you're listening to audio from highland baptist church in waco texas to find out more about highland go to www.hbcwaco.org you can be seated and good morning 10 o'clock we had some some circuit problems this weekend. So that's why there wasn't a middle screen. I think there's a little less lights on me, which is great. I look better in the shadows anyway. I'm good to see all of you here today. So glad that y'all are here. Would you mind getting with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? We have been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians together this summer and discovering a theme over and over and over again in every one of these chapters so far that even though life can be difficult... And even though we are very self-aware of our weaknesses, our frailties, our vulnerabilities, Christ Jesus is strong in us, and Christ Jesus is strong for us. That is the theme that is repeated over and over again throughout the book of 2 Corinthians. As you get there, you may remember this, or this may be the first time you've heard this. Jesus discipled Paul for three years in Arabia. This is after the resurrection of Christ, after the ascension of Christ. Jesus met, revealed himself to, to Paul. And for three years, while Paul was in Arabia, Jesus basically caught up Paul on the three years that he had discipled the, the disciples for the three years of Jesus's public ministry. And so in those three years, Paul got to understand more and more about the gospel, was taught by Jesus, basically discipled by Jesus. And in light of that today, I want Paul to disciple us through 2 Corinthians chapter 4. To disciple us for some things we'll need to know this week as followers of Jesus. I hope that there's these are five very practical key things that we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, five key points that Paul is gonna pour into our lives. Paul being a disciple, discipling us as you and I desire this week to be a disciple ourselves. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Uh, the treasure here in verse seven is, is the gospel. Maybe more specifically, the, the ministry of the gospel through our lives. We see that back in verse one of chapter four. It's not on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Look at verse one of, of chapter four. Paul says, therefore having this ministry, this gospel ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose That's the, the treasure that Paul is speaking of in his life. This treasure, yes, of the gospel, but more than that, distributing the gospel. Sharing the gospel with, with others, um, telling others of this good news of Christ, we see basically the same thing and understanding of the distribution of the gospel in verse 6 of, of chapter 4. So chapter 4, verse 6, also in your Bible, not on the screen, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul is talking about this ministry of of passing the gospel along, sharing the gospel with others, distributing the gospel to others. This is the treasure that Paul speaks of that is inside of him, This, this jar of clay. We're all jars of clay. But Christian, we have the gospel in us. That this gospel is to be shared, it is to be distributed. You and I this week, we will minister with other people in our city with the gospel of Christ. Now, you may remember this from the past few weeks or may know this from studying God's word yourself, that Paul was attacked on several fronts by these false teachers that were there in Corinth. Paul was attacked that he he wasn't gifted enough. They said that he wasn't articulate enough, that he wasn't a great speaker, that he wasn't eloquent enough. They then attacked him on on a personal level saying that he wasn't that impressive of a man. Now in Greek culture, in in Athens, or here in in Corinth, image was everything. And even the greater the orator you were in those days, the greater person that you were, and the stronger the person that you were, the greater the person that you were. And so there was this huge um, weight, a huge expectation. If you're gonna be a leader, you better look good and you better sound good. And the false teachers attack Paul at those two points. In fact, I want you to see this. Keep your finger there in 2 Corinthians chapter four and go over three or four pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and look at verse 10 with me. Paul's gonna lay out for us exactly the attack that he is having from these false teachers. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 10, again, not on the screen, is in your Bible, 10, 10. Paul says, for they, the they there, meaning the false teachers, they say about Paul, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. What the false teachers are saying is you can't listen to Paul. He lacks charisma. He doesn't have much presence at all. When, when, when he speaks, he's, he's boring. And they may be right. Remember, Paul was preaching and someone fell asleep and fell out the window. So maybe he wasn't that great of a preacher. But they're attacking him at this point, saying, Paul, you're you're neither attractive nor articulate. And many theologians believe that that Paul, probably all throughout his ministry, carried along some sickness or some kind of weakness, some kind of frailty or or vulnerability. In fact, it's interesting, the book of Galatians, Paul thanks the Galatians for loving him enough to look at him. So maybe there was something about even his bodily appearance, maybe a a deformity. Maybe it was a sickness that was so recognizable and so seen that he actually thanks the Galatians for loving him enough to even look at him. And maybe this is why the the false teachers were saying, don't don't listen to this guy. There's nothing impressive about him at all. This is kind of a, a, a personal shot here when they say that when he shows up, there's like nothing to his body. Like there's no bodily presence at, at at all. There's nothing impressive about him whatsoever. And when he speaks, there's no account to it. There is nothing to his his speaking. It is said of Paul that he was neither attractive nor articulate by these false teachers. So I want you to see again how Paul addresses those two attacks. I want you to read it one more time. I know we just read it, but look at chapter four, verse seven. Here's how Paul is responding to that. But we, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power, it belongs to God and not to us. The false teachers were hoping that Paul would stand up and he would have the surpassing power. He would look powerful, he would preach powerfully, but Paul says, no, 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 I'm just a jar of clay. I'm I'm just a, a frail vessel. Now I have a treasure inside of me, but that treasure inside of this weak vessel just shows everybody that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to me. Paul is saying here, I'm fragile. I'm just an everyday person. I'm dispensable. I'm a clay pot, not a decorated vase. I'm weak. In fact, in Greek, anytime you see in the Greek language the word clay, there's always a connection to frailty. Or fragility. So anytime you see in, in the scripture in the New Testament that the mention of clay, it's speaking about our, our brokenness, how how frail we are as, as people. Paul is saying here, I am I am nothing special, but verse seven, inside of me is the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us you see that same humility go back up one more time 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 look at verse 5 again not on your screen is in your Bible look at this humility that we see in the life of Paul for what we proclaim is not ourselves this is 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 for what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake here's point number one this morning humility is more attractive than giftedness He is saying here, I'm I'm, I'm just a clay pot. I'm just a servant of the church. I'm not up here to to show you this surpassing power that is me. I'm up here to to tell you, Paul would say, the surpassing power doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to God. Humility is so much more attractive than, than giftedness. And the modern American culture is not that far off from the Greek culture of the day of Paul here in Corinth because we put a very high value in our culture today on people who are good looking and can command a stage or command an audience. And so in our city, and in our nation, and our culture, when we meet someone who's truly humble, we're attracted to them. We're almost surprised by it. We almost see it as a unique gift. And so Paul is gonna rally this church and I'll tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is Corinth does get us act together. Many of them do repent, they do begin to grow again as a church in spiritual health, but Paul's gonna rally this church and lead this church in Corinth, not based on his great giftedness, but listen, based on his character, based on his character of humility. Christians living humbly in the city of Waco become very attractional. Christians living humbly in the city of Waco become very attractional because really humility is royalty without a crown. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not Destroyed. So Paul is gonna remind us of all the things that he has gone through, and Paul has gone through a lot. He's been imprisoned, he's been stoned and left for dead, he's been shipwrecked, he's been arrested, he's been betrayed, and there's, the list goes on, and there'll be more difficulties that Paul faces after he writes this letter of 2 Corinthians. Look at these words again in verse eight. He's afflicted in every way. Uh, Your Bible might translate that word pressed down. So he's afflicted, he's pressed down by by trouble. Uh, In the original language, that word actually means to be crowded out. He's been crowded out by trouble, he's been crowded by affliction. Verse 8, the word perplexed. In other words, Paul says, There's been times in my life that I've been confused. Times in my life where I did not understand what was going on around me, same in our life. Some things we just don't understand. There's things that happen in our lives and the lives of people around us, we just don't understand, it makes no sense to us. He says in verse nine, we've been persecuted. People coming at me all all the time, hurtful things said, hurtful things done. Then he says in verse nine, I've been struck down. Uh, That's a really interesting word. Katabalo in in Greek. It's a boxing term that means knocked out or you've been laid out flat on the mat. Uh, Paul says, There's been times in my life that I have been struck down. In fact, the Greek word balo there means to be thrown down. So life has thrown him down. These are some pretty heavy words and some pretty heavy challenges. But here's the second thing I think we can take from this as Paul disciples us through 2 Corinthians chapter four, here it is. We can't choose our challenges, but we can choose our responses. We can't choose our challenges. Challenges are a part of life. If you're gonna breathe this week, you're gonna have challenges this week. It comes with the package of being alive. For the person who says, I hope I have no challenges in life, that is completely, completely not reasonable but we can choose our responses to the challenges of life. So look at Paul's responses here to the challenges. We see it back in verse eight again. He was afflicted in every way, but not crushed. This is Paul saying, even though I am a jar of clay, even though I am frail, even though I am weak, even though I am indispensable, I am not going to be crushed. I may be afflicted in every way, pressed down in every way, but I will not be crushed. Look at verse eight, perplexed. He's confused, but not driven to despair. This is Paul saying, there's times in my life that I don't understand what's going on. Life is not making sense, but I am not going to fall into despair. I'm not gonna be at a loss. Verse nine, persecuted, but not abandoned. I've been persecuted. Think people have said things to me, said things about me, but I know I'm not abandoned. I know I've not been left alone. I know that God has not left me. That's the choice that Paul makes in the middle of the challenge to say, God has not abandoned me. Verse nine, I've been struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I may be flat on the mat, but I know God's not done with me. I know he continues to do his good work in me. Even though I'm struck down, I am not destroyed. Hudson Taylor, the beloved missionary to to China for 45 years back in the 1800s, if you're looking for a good read this summer, read any biography on Hudson Taylor. He says, it does not matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies, whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you near to his heart. So does the pressure of the challenge in life cause you to turn away from God and grow bitter with God? Or do the pressures of the challenges of life cause you to turn your eyes upon Jesus and to look full in his wonderful face? Do the challenges of life move you away from the Lord or press you near, Hudson Taylor would say, near to the heart of God? You see, Helen, this is our choice. Challenges are just a part of the the package of of being alive. But Paul reminds us we have a choice in our responses to the challenges that you and I will face this week. But let me be very clear. Make sure you hear this clearly. Let me make sure I'm saying this clearly. This is not some humanistic point I'm trying to make where I say in the middle of difficult days, look to yourself to make a good choice when life gets tough. Look where the right choice comes from in the life of Paul. Pick it up here, the very next verse, verse 10. Verse 10 What is is the the secret, if you will, which is no longer a secret because we just read it? How do we move forward with good choices in the middle of, of challenges? How do we respond wisely and in a godly way? Verse 10, I have the life of Jesus in me. Verse 11, exact same thing. I have the life of Jesus in me. This is where the power to choose and to choose wisely comes from. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, and then Paul quotes, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he, the spirit who raised the Lord Jesus, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul does something really interesting here, very strategic here, and I find it very encouraging as well. He reminds us here, verses 13, 14, and 15, he reminds us what God has done in the past so that we can live by faith for what God will do in the future. Note takers, here's the third point we get from Paul today. Remember God's faithfulness from yesterday and anticipate his goodness for tomorrow. This is what Paul is doing. He's remembering what God had said. He is remembering with the faith of others in the past, how encouraging that is to him. And so now with that faithfulness of God in the past, he is able to speak the the blessings of God, the provisions of God, the goodness of God, and believe the goodness of God for tomorrow. By the way, Highland, this is a great way to live life. To look back on how good God has been, how faithful he has been, because he's been faithful to every generation and faithful to every person in this room, you can, because of that, anticipate his goodness for your life tomorrow. To recall God's faithful commitment toward us so that we can live a faith-filled life in anticipation that we'll see God's goodness ahead. This is what it means here in verse 13. We have a faith verse 13, that matches what has been written. Now we know that the, the writer is the psalmist. And so then Paul quotes just six words from Psalm 116 when he says, I believed and so I spoke. But let me give you the context for this because Paul just pulls a little bit out of Psalm 116. Let me give you the bigger picture of Psalm 116. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. We don't have time to turn there today, but here it is, Psalm 116, verses one through 10. Here's what the psalmist writes. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. This is Paul, excuse me, this is the psalmist looking back to remember God's goodness, God's ability to hear his cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. Now the psalmist is gonna look forward. I will call on him as long as I live. He's gonna look back. The cords of death, they entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome, past tense, by trouble and sorrow. Then, present tense, I called on the name of the Lord and I said to him, save me. And there's an understood right there. He did save him because of verse five, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God will be merciful. Verse six, the Lord protects the simple. That's good news for me. When I was in great need, he saved me. He's looking back, but at at rest once more, oh my soul, be at rest once more, oh my soul, for the Lord has been looking back good to you. For you, O Lord, past tense, you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. So look at forward tense now, verse 10. So I shall, I will continue to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And here's what Paul quoted. I believed, therefore I spoke. This is what Paul is saying. I have seen what God has done and I believe he will be good toward me again. Paul knows, verse 14 now, that the spirit who raised Christ from the dead, past tense, will also raise us, future tense, in the days to come and to bring us into the presence of God. And so Paul also believes, and highland so should we, verse 15, that the gospel of Jesus will continue to grow around the world to the glory of God. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 So, meaning everything we just read now transitions to verse 16. That's why a lot of your Bible translations use the word therefore right there because all that has been true in verses one through verses 15. We can also bank on this. We can build our lives on this. Verse 15, excuse me, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So Paul says here, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Yes, we are jars of clay. We are weak, we are frail, we are vulnerable. And and here's the bad news, we're gonna get weaker all the time. Verse 16, our outer self, some of your translations say is decaying. Uh, The new translations say is falling apart. And I believe that more and more every calendar year that goes by. Like outer body, just not what it used to do. Not what it used to be. The, the outer body, the outer self, Paul says here, is getting weaker all the time. But here's the good news. Our inner self, our spirit, our soul is being renewed day by day by the spirit of God. And this is why this is so important, Highland. Remember, you're, you're not a body with a spirit. You're a spirit with a body. And this body is just gonna give out more and more. I'm looking at some 20-year-olds and you don't believe me, I promise you. It's gonna give out more and more as you get older. But here's the promise from God's word. Even as our physical bodies are decaying or falling apart, the spirit of the living God inside of us is renewing us day by day by day, which leads to the fourth point. Spiritual strength is greater than physical strength. This is what Paul is saying. Physically, you're gonna get weaker and weaker. But spiritually, because the presence of God in you, you can become stronger and stronger spiritually. Spiritual strength is greater than physical strength. Spiritual strength is more important than than physical strength. It'll carry you farther than than physical strength does. It's of higher value. Spiritual strength is of higher value than physical strength. Paul's gonna say later on to, to young Timothy and in the letter to Timothy, he's gonna say physical discipline or physical practice is of some value but godly discipline discipline or spiritual discipline is of great value for this life and for the life to come. So if you need to lose some weight, lose some weight. If you're eating poorly, then start eating correctly. If you're out of shape, get some exercise. But there is no diet and no CrossFit Training and no boot camp and no supplement and no vitamin and no workout regimen that will do you more good than you spending time in the presence of Jesus. Because that's where strength, true strength, power, true power can be found. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. They're they're temporary, but the things that are unseen, those things last forever. They are eternal. There's so many ways to preach these last few verses of 2 Corinthians 4. I know it feels like verse 17, that when you're in the middle of affliction, it feels neither light nor momentary especially when you're in the middle of it, but Paul is reminding us here about the eternal things around us all the time. Like God's glory isn't light, it's weighty, verse 17. God's glory isn't momentary, it's it's eternal, verse 17. So in other words, here's some good news for every believer here today. No problem you have will last forever. No problem that you have will last forever. I'll make one exception to that. If you refuse the grace of Jesus, that's a problem that will last forever. But if you believed upon the grace of Jesus and you have placed your life in the life of Christ, there is no problem you're going through right now that will last forever. Verse 18, Paul tells us where to keep our eyes. He tells us in verse 18 where to keep our spiritual vision, to set those things on eternal things, not Temporary things. So here's the fifth and last discipleship we'll receive from Paul today. We find what we're looking for in life. Whatever you're looking for in life, you're gonna find it. We need to always be looking for the eternal things. This is what Paul is saying, the eternal things in life. Ever mindful that things going on around us all the time that are eternal. And so our, our heart should be set on the eternal things, our mind set on the eternal things. We find what we are looking for in life. There was an old store, convenience store clerk that was working behind the counter. The guy drove up in in the car and got out of his car, came into the store, told the old clerk, he said, I'm new in town and just wanna ask you, what are the people like here in your town? And the old clerk said, well, what were the people like in the town you came from? And the guy, so they were unbelievably kind, generous, so giving. The old clerk said, That's exactly who you'll find in that, you're in luck. It's exactly who you'll find in this town. A few moments later, another car pulled up, got out, went inside, convenience store clerk was still there. This new guy said, Hey, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm new in town. Can you? can you tell me what the people are like here, here in, your, in your town? And the old clerk said, well, why don't you tell me what the people are like in the town you came from? And the guy said, they were horrible. They, they were stuck up, they, they were rude, they were aloof, unkind people, ungenerous people. And the clerk said, I hate to tell you this, but that's the exact same type of people we have here in this town. You always find what you're looking for. Whether that be on a daily basis, you'll always find what you're looking for, but Paul is speaking here of temporary things versus eternal things. If our minds and our hearts are set on the temporary, verse 18, the transient, then our lives will always circle around and be built upon temporary things, things that we can see, Paul would say. But if our heart and our minds are set upon things that last forever, they're set upon the things that, that are eternal, We will always live our lives upon the things that are eternal. We'll make sure our lives revolve around the things that last forever. And interestingly enough, these are the things that we cannot see according to 2 Corinthians chapter four. So here's the heavy question that's prompted, or here are the heavy questions that are prompted from this. What will you give your energy to this week? Temporary things or everlasting things? I've, I've meddled with your eating and your exercise, so I'll go a little bit further. What about, what about your spending money this week? What are you gonna spend your money on this week? Temporary things or things that last forever? Paul says, temporary things you can see all the, times, all the time, but the eternal things you cannot see with your own eyes. What does your calendar look like this week? Is it set on things that are transient, that won't last forever, or is your schedule, your time, set upon the things that are eternal? What about your thoughts, where will your thoughts be this week? On the things that are temporary or the things that last forever? Where is your heart? Where is your finances? Where is your calendar? On what things are your mind? Is your mind set upon God's word? Would say that those things that you can't see is where our heart needs to be, because those are the things that last forever. Would you stand with me, please, for us to pray together? Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for growing us as disciples today through your word. We're not gonna be able to choose our challenges this week, but because the presence of Christ in us, we can, we can choose how we're gonna respond in such a way that honors the Father. God, thank you for the reminder that, that spiritual strength is so much greater than physical strength. That all of us in this room, we are spirits with a body. And Holy Spirit, thank you for reviving us every day, even as the outer shell of this body, the envelope begins to fall apart. We thank you that you renew us day by day. We're gonna remember how faithful you have been to us in these days past. And because you've been faithful to us and faithful to people around us this morning and faithful to every generation, we can anticipate that you'll be good to us tomorrow. We'll see victory tomorrow. Thank you, God, that we can trust in you. So by your grace, would you allow us to fix our eyes upon the things that we can't even see, the things that are eternal, the things that last forever. In the name of Jesus, we believe and we pray together. Amen. So we'd invite you to respond to God's word today. You don't need to respond to a message. You don't need to respond to a messenger but would your heart be open to responding to what the spirit of the Lord said to you today and showed to you today through scripture? Would you be willing maybe to come and just kneel here at the front and say, God, would you by your grace help me even just this week? Would you help me to keep my heart, my mind, my eyes set on the eternal things? Maybe you wanna come and just kneel before the Lord and say, God, I have so many challenges. I can't do a thing about all these challenges, but God, would you help me to respond in a godly way, in a wise way, to say the right thing, to respond in such a way that would honor you. We'll have some prayer leaders at the church here at the front as well. We'd love to pray with you, to pray over you, to, to go to battle with you in prayer, to ask the Lord to bless you to remind you this week to keep your eyes, your heart, your mind, your life set upon the things that are eternal. Let's worship the Lord and the altar is open and prayer leaders would love to pray with you. Let's sing and won't you please come.